Hello everyone and welcome to Hill Groups podcast episode one and I'm your host Andre Saker. Today's podcast is an introduction into my dealings with anxiety and some examples of my highs and lows over the last few years. Uh, just before I get started I just want to say a couple of things. Firstly this is my first ever podcast so please bear with me. I'll do my best to make it a good one and I'm sure I'll get better the more I do. Uh, also just a bit of background on Hill Group. So Hill Group started uh, in 2019 just Basically, I wanted to be able to do something and give back. You know, I've had anxiety for years, but I'm lucky enough to get myself into a good place at the moment where, you know, I feel like I'm really on top of my anxiety and my depression. And I thought it was a great opportunity now for me, being in the good headspace that I am, to sort of reach out to those who have it and to be able to provide myself as that sort of, uh, you know, that go-to person for help if they need it. Millions of dollars every year is being pumped into anxiety and depression and the statistics continue to grow. So looking at that, it sort of prompted me to get off my backside, I suppose, and uh, really give back and do something because it really does mean a lot to me. Uh, seeing the pain and the, and the anguish in people's faces in the community it really does upset me um, and I really want to be able to put myself in a position where I can give back and help as many people as I can. So, you know, Hill Group started off as a... Uh, community focus group uh, running once a week and now there's a Facebook page as well called Hill Groups um, and also now these podcasts so I'm doing my best to sort of you know reach out as far and wide as I can to as many people as I can so my podcast you know it'll be honest it'll be raw hopefully simple to understand yet it'll be educational and hard-hitting you know I I think I sort of break the mold a bit with my thinking with anxiety and depression I you know, I don't really believe too much in the softly, softly approach. Um, not because I'm a hard man and not because I think people should suck it up. I mean, I definitely, on your side, you know, if you've got anxiety and depression, I'm definitely 100% behind you and in your team. But I just think there's some times where, as sufferers, it's time for us to stand up. It's time for us to put our hands up and take back control of our lives and, and take back control of the you know, I suppose of the help that we get and what there is out there for us to, uh, you know, take advantage of. We need to sort of steer the ship, so to speak, a bit more, I think, and which requires a bit more responsibility from our end um, because clearly, you know, if we just sit back and do nothing, well, the statistics show that it's getting worse and worse every year. So there needs to be a massive change in the way we do things on in the present. I think one of those big steps forward is for those who suffer from it to uh, put their hand up and take more control of the way that we are looked after, you know. And I know that's hard because anxiety is one of those things that doesn't really allow you to get up, go outside the house, make that phone call. You know, you're not going to stand up and say, here I am, uh, you know. I, I get that. But we really need to look deep down within ourselves and sort of say to ourselves, well, do we want a life of anxiety or do we want our life back without anxiety? You know, and if you want your life back and you want it without anxiety, and you obviously you don't, you know, you clearly you don't want to have anxiety, but then some at some point we need to stand up and take responsibility and take, you know, not responsibility for the anxiety, but responsibility for the help that we get. You know, really steer the ship, lead it, and um, put our front foot forward to get the self, get ourselves the help we might need, um, because you know, clearly that. It seems to be a bit of a disconnect somewhere. Um, you know, I'll give personal examples during my podcast of um, my battles with anxiety. I'll also interview other sufferers, interview carers, those who look after people who have anxiety. Um, 
you know, interview professionals in their fields, you know, psychologists and doctors, um, hopefully people of all walks of life, just to give you as much knowledge and understanding of uh, what we're dealing with and hopefully some ways in which you can help uh, get yourself, you know, find yourself a cure for your anxiety. And, you know, I, I don't have a problem using that word cure. I think it's very important that we use positive language. I think it's very important that we don't get ourselves stuck in this negative loop where we're just treating it as a day-by-day thing, that we give ourselves hope by taking control of our minds, by, you know, letting, helping us to realize that it can be cured, you know, because there's nothing worse than sort of, you know, just banging your head up against the wall the whole time and just living day by day, thinking in the back of your head that you've got that for life, you know, and you don't. I'm living proof, you know, I'm living proof that you don't and, and you'll hear why. I'm living proof that you can be cured and you can get better. Um, no doubt about that. Um, you know, I'll put on also, I'll put on notice all the organisations that exist to help us. You know, I'll, I'll make them accountable for their actions by questioning them, by contacting them, by testing their knowledge and their commitment to actually finding a cure for anxiety and depression and not just a band-aid solution. You know, I, re- I mean, I believe as long as you can control your mind, then you can eliminate your anxiety. You know, if you have control of your mind and if you have the ability to control your uh, perceptions on things that occur in your life, then you have the ability to control your anxiety and eliminate it. And, you know, and that's what our goal should be and that's what we should all aim for, regardless of whether you think it's a day-by-day thing and you can only manage it and, you know, it might remain dormant for a couple of weeks and it always comes back. You know, that's not a good headspace to be thinking. You know, we really need to turn our lives around and that's what I did you know I, I failed to to talk negative anymore and that positivity that I built within myself helped me to get out the other side you know I'm a really big believer in positive language and I refuse to record myself or go on record anywhere talking negative about our chances of recovery and I'm in full recovery you know I believe the community is fed up with the growing number of people who have anxiety and the band-aid solutions that exist I know there's a lot of good people out there doing a lot of help, uh, you know, doing good things, but there really needs to be more done, you know. And I think together, uh, those who suffer and those who don't, I think together we can create really good fundamental change in, uh, you know, the way we approach anxiety. And, you know, us alone, those who suffer, have a big part to play in changing the stigma surrounding anxiety. You know, the stigma exists because of our symptoms and our response and our attitude towards the anxiety i know it's not easy you know of course you know the the feelings and the symptoms and and all the response to our anxiety they're real life things i get that 100 percent. i lived it i get it but that stigma exists because of that negativity that surrounds us and the way we deal with that anxiety and that's why i'm really big on on positive language and positive change to change that stigma around and have it you know sort of change it back in our favor so that people aren't looking at us anymore as those who you know live with this dark cloud over our heads you know yes we have it but we can have it and still be positive still have a positive uh, mindset to a you know a good outcome for us and if we're the more positive we are the more that stigma is, will start to slowly turn around and that's only the first step, you know. I'm not saying that's the solution to anxiety. No, there's a there's quite a few steps to get yourself to a good point where you can consider yourself, you know, cured or at least managing it. And uh, 
you know, but definitely one of the steps is starting to change our mindset from a negative one to a positive one, as hard as it might be. You know, I had anxiety for several years and was suffering from anxiety attacks two to three times a week. You know, I was in and out of hospital uh, two, three times, probably a week as well, you know, just in and out of hospital. I just, I was in triage almost, what felt like almost every night, you know, and I, I didn't, the thing is about triage was I went in there and not always necessarily wanting to see a doctor. I went into triage really just to see the nurse and just to feel comfort in those four walls of the hospital. You know, when I was in there, my anxiety started to go away because of the fact that I knew I was in a safe place. Uh, and then once that anxiety went away, then, you know, sometimes I would just ask the lady if I can get up and leave, and I would leave without even seeing a doctor, depending on how bad it was at the time for me. Um, but, you know, so I was in there one, two, three, four o'clock in the morning. Sometimes I had to get up and go to work the next day. You know, my poor wife would sit by my side. She'll get up and go with me to the hospital. She'll never leave me alone. And, you know, I was just fortunate enough that I had a partner, that I have a partner, and I was just fortunate enough that I had someone with me who was quite uh, understanding of what I was going through. You know, she'll sit there in the triage with me. So, you know, you know having someone there for you is definitely a, a, a great help, of course. And I know there's some people out there who might not have that help and might not have that, you know, a partner or someone to lean on. But, you know, there are other ways then. And there are people out there who are willing to help you still, like myself. So, you know, don't give up hope. There's always a way around this. Yeah, you know, I had tightness and pain in my chest. You know, there was a history of heart disease in my family. So, you know, when you get tightness and pain in your chest, all you can think about is that you're going to have a heart attack. You know, and I saw three or four cardiologists before finally convincing myself that, you know, I wasn't having a heart attack and the chest pain was possibly or ended up being anxiety related. But I had to see a lot of doctors uh, before I could make that, uh, you know, form that opinion. I suffered from dizziness and faintness, which could, you know, see me get so lightheaded that I had to sort of help myself to the ground and sit on the floor because I thought I was going to collapse. You know, I had pins and needles tingling in my fingers and feet. You know, once again, the thoughts of having a heart attack crept back in, you know, and I was off to the doctors again to get checked. I had dryness and tightness on my throat, you know, leaving me with severe nausea. You know, and the nausea, to be honest, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. The nausea was the worst thing out of all the symptoms. You know, it was even, to me, it was even worse than thinking I was having a heart attack. I really hated that nausea feeling. And sometimes it lasted, you know, one, two, three days, and I just had to sort of ride it out and just wait for it to go you know it was really bad i had increases in heart rate you know my heart rate will go from you know 60 beats to all of a sudden 150 beats just sitting there doing nothing i can just be in front of the tv you know watching television and all of a sudden it goes up i'd experienced the, i experienced stomach pain pain that you know was just this awful feeling in my stomach like something was growing inside i you know i had myself convinced that i had cancer you know, I had multiple colonoscopies and uh, to get myself checked inside out. And, you know, look, the thing is for me, every test that I did, every doctor that I saw, the results kept coming back as normal. You know, and eventually I had to trust the doctor's opinions, trust, trust the results and believe that I was normal. You know, I couldn't keep seeking a third, fourth, fifth opinion from someone because all I was doing was doing my head in. You know, it was just kept me in this negative loop and this, you know, I became a hypochondriac, you know, and... I had to strongly put my faith in those doctors and those results so I could move on from, you know, thinking I was sick. You know, and, and that's another podcast in itself.
um, how I did that. Uh, you know, so, and these were some of just the uh, physical symptoms that I had. You know, I haven't even touched on the things in my head, you know. I mean, I became such a big, uh, complete hypochondriac. I was, you know, I was, I was similar to Mr. Burns from The Simpsons, you know, just someone who had every disease. And uh, that's how I sort of saw myself. You know, and then in my mind, I had, you know, my mind was running wild with so many thoughts, you know, thoughts from when I was three, four, five, six years old, ruminating in my head to thoughts from just a day or two back, you know, and these thoughts just lingered and they just stuck there as if they were stuck in the spin of a tornado, you know, never settling anywhere, just spinning around. You know, I will revisit each thought in my mind and no sooner had I begun to acknowledge one of those thoughts you know, my head was, my mind was off conjuring other thought, conjuring up other ideas and frantically throwing, you know, other thoughts to the forefront of my mind. You know, it was really, really crazy experience. You know, I sort of, the way I saw myself was, you know, an individual, someone inside a china shop, you know, tiptoeing through, trying to be so careful in life not to break or drop anything. But my mind was like the, like the bull, you know, the bull in the china shop just recklessly bucking back and forth, jumping around, you know, knocking all the plates over, knocking everything over without a care in the world for the damage it was creating. You know, I spent every second of every day thinking of that I'd had different illnesses, you know, and if I wasn't thinking about that, I had myself convinced that the world was about to end. You know, this is another crazy thought that I continually had. You know, I always thought there was going to be some sort of catastrophic event that would take place, that, you know, there was going to be a world war, you know, terrorism, you know, I just had all this stuff in my head that the world was just going to turn on itself, you know, it was crazy. It was, I mean, for me, these thoughts would just come out of nowhere. You know, I, would, I remember being at a birthday party once and, you know, I was just sitting there enjoying myself with everyone and having a couple of drinks and, you know, it was a beautiful night, it was you know, a good celebration and we're just chatting away and, all of a sudden, my throat tightened up, my mouth went dry, and my heart rate, heart rate went through the roof. You know, all this happened in a matter of seconds. You know, I walked outside into the courtyard of the bar and took some deep breaths and kept walking around trying to calm myself. You know, I had no idea what was happening. I was young, fit, couldn't understand what was going on. I went inside and grabbed a glass of water from the bar and went back outside to try to settle my nerves. You know, and at that point, I started to think to myself, you know, am I having a heart attack? You know... Uh, heart disease ran in my family and I was really, really starting to panic. You know, I probably should have called the ambulance or, you know, went straight to the hospital a lot earlier than I did. I walked around for about 30, 40 minutes before I decided to go. But, you know, it was a really crazy f feeling, you know. And about 30, 40 minutes in, I took the car keys out of my pocket, threw them across the table to my mate and said to him, you know, take me to the hospital. And what happened after that night sort of changed my life forever. Sometimes I really sit here and think to myself, I wish I knew that it was just a big anxiety attack that I was having. Because if I knew that, I could have probably prevented it from escalating as bad as it did. And I probably wouldn't have had years of uh, pain and anguish following that. Because you know, that was one of the first anxiety attacks I ever had. One of the first really big attacks. And it sort of did shape the rest of the next few years of my life. You know, it's quite hard, you know. I really feel for everyone out there and... You've got this anxiety, you've got this depression, and you're trying to battle all of that in your head, and you're battling the symptoms. And also, at the same time, you've got to try and 
have some normality in your life. You know, you still got to go to work, you still got to attend functions, be with family and friends. It, it wasn't an easy feat by any means. Um, I hope so far that I've been able to paint a bit of a picture uh, of my life and how it was at a particular point. You know, this sort of went over several years, you know, these symptoms. Um, it's almost impossible to paint the complete picture for you, but, you know, this is only my uh, first episode, first podcast, and, you know, I don't plan on going anywhere anytime soon, and, you know, hopefully there's plenty of opportunity to touch base or expand on the points made today if I sort of haven't been clear enough or maybe confused with one or two people out there. You know, I must add that, you know, as I speak, I've never been stronger in my mind. I've never been more sure of my purpose, and I've never been more open and committed to discussing and helping those with anxiety. My story does have a happy ending. It is one of hope. I spent years battling anxiety, but just as many and just as many years overcoming it. Um, and you know, my story will be told. Um, and I hopefully you all come along for the ride, and we can all sort of get through this together. And I help a lot of people in the meantime. Um, but I must say, I am in a good space at the moment, and that's you know most of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing to help people. Also, you know, to help people get to that space that I am at. I really believe that. You know, I've been fortunate and lucky enough to get out the other end of all this and you know, as a result of that I now owe it back to the community, you know, to help them, you know, see the light at the end of the tunnel also. One of the biggest reasons why I started doing all this and one of the reasons why I have this passion for fighting mental illness is uh, you know, I look at the statistics, you know, and I'm in Australia, I'm podcasting from Australia and hello to everyone overseas if you're listening and you know, I'm sure these statistics that I'm about to read mirror, you know, other countries. Uh, you may be worse or maybe better than ours, I don't know. But the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare estimated, estimated in, you know, 2015 and 16 that, you know, there was $9 billion spent on combating mental health uh, in Australia. Um, at the same time, you know, in 2016, uh, the economic cost of mental health in Australia was around 60 billion. You know, now I'm going to be honest, I don't really care about those figures. You know, I'm not here because of the money. I'm not here because we spent 9 billion and it's cost us 60 billion. No, that's definitely not why I'm here. Why I'm here and why I'm doing what I'm doing is I fail to understand how $9 billion hasn't even put a dent in the statistics. I fail to understand how as a government, as a community, as a, you know, as a civilization, We've managed and let mental health get to the point where it's now at an economic cost of $60 billion a year. But once again, it's not about the money. It's the fact that we've somehow gotten ourselves to this point where we've, we're in this mess. And, you know, I, I just, that's what upsets me. Where did we go wrong? Where did we miss? How did we miss the mark? You know, we obviously missed the point somewhere. You know, and now we seem to be damage control trying to put a band-aid solution on everything to get ourselves to the point where we can start to control this uh, outbreak of anxiety and depression that seems to be out there, you know, and that's why I'm a strong believer in, in you know, the way to bring this back and the way to bring this back in our favour is for those with anxiety and depression to really take a deep breath, take a step back for a second, have a good look at yourself, have a good look at, your, at the anxiety and depression uh, um, in the community that we have and put your hand up and come forward and try and help, you know, really put yourself in a positive mindset and we need to start taking ownership of this illness, start taking ownership of that stigma, 
turn it all around and and have a more have more say and, and control into you know how that nine billion dollars is being spent you know where that nine billion dollars is going to you know we need to turn around and say enough's enough and fight back so to speak and try and take back control of this illness you know we can't sit back and just wait for people uh, to do it for us anymore you know we always say to ourselves you know oh you, you never know what if you don't have anxiety you'll never know what it is and if that's the case then how can we expect people without anxiety how can we expect these people to help us we can't say to them oh you'll never know but and then on the other hand say well where's our help how can they help us if they never know and it's up to us to help them help us you know it's up to us to yeah we've got these signs signs and symptoms and yeah we're struggling and yeah we're we find it hard to you know, get out the house or pick up the phone, but we really, really need to take control of our minds and really need to get ourselves into a positive headspace where we want to go out there and help ourselves because we want to win back our lives. We, this, and that's what it's all about. You know, at the end of the day, this is all about do we or don't we want to live the next 50, 60, 70 years of our lives anxiety-free so we can be ourselves. So we can be happy with loved ones, family, friends, whatever it might be, work, wherever you find your happy space. Don't you want to be there without the anxiety and depression? And I'm sure you do. Of course, that's a rhetorical question. Of course you do. You want to be anxiety free. But it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come sitting back waiting for that you know, knock on the door or that magic solution. You know, we just, I know it's a bit of tough love, but I had to do it. And I, and I did do it, and I, I really think it's time for us to put our hands up and say, okay, step aside, we're going to take control from here, and you know, we're going to go, and we're going to, as a community, in, in you know, conjunction with everyone else, we're going to find the help we need. You know, and I know that the world of anxiety is a sensitive place, you know, but it's time for everyone to learn some hard truths, I really think. You know, it's time for the as a community that we all stand up for what's ours and win back our lives. You know, and let's not continue to walk on eggshells because we're worried about who we, are, who we might offend. You know, this oversensitivity is what keeps us in this constant negative spiral. You know, if we do things with compassion, if we do things from the heart, if we do things with good intentions, then a bit of tough love can be good for us. You know, I'm not suggesting, I'm not saying for one second we should all just suck it up and get on with it and that it's easy. No, it's not. I went through the worst of the worst just like most people. But I did realize, and I came to a realization sitting there one day that, you know what? The only real person that's going to help me is me. The only real way I'm going to get the help that I need and that I know I deserve is for me to get up and go get that. And that's what I'm suggesting. That's what I'm trying to say is that let's just get up. And it doesn't have to be individually. As a community, as a group, you know, all of us together, get up and put stuff in place to get help. Now, you're probably thinking, well, what's that help? How do I get up and do that? And, and that's a lot of the stuff that I get back. I get a lot of people say to me, well, that's all well and good saying it, but how do I do it? And it's just one step at a time, okay? It's not an easy solution. It's one step at a time, but it's listening to everyone, getting together as a group, uh, putting in the effort yourself to motivate yourself to get up and reclaim your life that you deserve, and take that first step. You know, there are several steps, but there's always that first one, the one about positivity and getting your headspace right. 
You know, there's steps about seeing a psychologist. There's steps about, you know, talking to family and friends. There's steps about meditation. You know, there are all these sort of things you can do. And not everyone will start at the same place. But we need to start somewhere. And, you know, through my podcast, I'll definitely try and help my best uh, to let you know how, how I did it. And, you know, hopefully that sort of uh, resonates with some other people out there. You know, I just think if we continue on this path of softly, softly, you know, then when do we break the mold and take back control? You know, the statistics show that no matter how many billions we spend, anxiety appears to be on the rise. And, you know, like they say, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So we have to try something dramatic. We have to try something drastic, you know, and we have to try and take ownership ourselves in a good way. You know, I'm here for you. I'm not going to just sit here and, and, and yell at you and say, you know, you should be doing this, this, and this. No, I, I will be here by your side. You know, I've got absolute sympathy and, and love and and just compassion for all of you out there, you know, for all you who suffer and for those who have people in their lives that suffer and you're caring for them. I'm 100% on your side. I'll be flying the flag for you. But I just think together, step by step, we need to go back and win our lives back. I see here today recording this podcast you know, to assure you all that I'll do everything in my power to tilt the scales of anxiety and mental illness back in our favor. And I'll challenge, test, and question all things anxiety-related to ensure we are getting the best and, more importantly, the right care we deserve. You know, as they say in anxiety, if you don't have it, you will never really know exactly how you feel. And, you know, who better to shape our help and healing than us, than ourselves? I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Uh, it's the first of many. Um, please subscribe, like, comment, share with anyone you think will benefit from it. You know, there's uh, uh, other podcasts to come. Uh, they're going to be exciting. They're going to be really good to listen to. There's going to be a lot of professionals on. There's going to be a lot of uh, personal stories being told from other sufferers, uh, from carers. You know, we're going to hopefully try and build a community amongst us in this podcast, you know, where we can feel assured and we can feel relaxed and we can feel that there is hope for us all. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening. You know, I'm sorry, once again, it's my first podcast, so hopefully I didn't miss the mark too much and hopefully you understood what I was trying to say and my voice was clear enough for you, but I definitely will get better. I promise to get better doing these podcasts because I really, really want to do them and it, it means a lot to me. Um, but please, I, don't mistake any of what I said for me telling you know, for me telling you to suck it up and get off your backsides, that's definitely not what it is. All I'm trying to say is let's regain ourselves. Let's regain strength. Let's regain power amongst ourselves. Let's regain our minds, stand up, break the shackles, and really take a positive step forward to do what we need to do to heal and to cure ourselves and to get better. Uh, take care, everyone. You know, if you need to seek help, please seek help. Uh, speak to you all soon. Thank you for listening. Uh, this is a Hill Groups podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Andre Saker. I uh, look forward to speaking to you again. Bye for now.